You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media podcast hosted by the one and only celebrity chef Chris Santos mm-hmm. uh, and myself Matt Bacon we are here today with a literal childhood hero of mine Robert Von Blasco bass player for Ozzy Osbourne manager of Clutch High on Fire Black Veil Brides and some other bands I'm forgetting because I'm a bad host we had him on last week and we had such a good time that we decided to bring him back and be like hey we have more questions to ask you I certainly have more questions to ask you but yeah, Chris, I know you had a couple places you want to start off. Well, first of all, if this feels like deja vu. You were here last week and I was in a beige hotel room in Tennessee. And now you're back and I'm in a beige hotel room in Chicago. Not sure what's happening that with that. This is our first part two. So um, thank you for being a willing participant in spending another 40 minutes with us two idiots. Of course. Senior idiot and junior idiot who lives in the penthouse now. Where did we leave off? I don't even know where we left off, but I know what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, we talked about a lot of the, um, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and, and the management stuff. I don't even think we had one, one sentence about, you, you know, arguably your two biggest accomplishments, I guess, as an artist, at least, which would be your years with Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne. So I am titling this part two, the Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne years. <laughs> That's great. With that, I'm, I can just be quiet and let you talk, my man. Yeah. I played bass for a while and I always dreamed of, you know, being a big rocker, um, being in a successful band and doing all that. And, and I think we left off maybe at the prong thing because whenever I joined prong, that was kind of really the first time that I had done some real stuff, like went to Japan and got a tour bus and played festivals in Europe and, you know, like cool stuff that I was like, wow, this is what being in a real rock touring band with the hit song is like wouldn't that wouldn't that be great if this was my life and in between and, and i think that i talked about how these connections all happened because it was it was through uh, uh whatever the management company was but it was walter o'brien and andy gould uh, walter o'brien managed pantera and andy gould managed 
uh, white zombie. And collectively they managed like prong and the obsessed and some other stuff. And so that's how, that's how this all kind of happened is that I got on this management company's radar. So when they needed a dude to fill in last minute for this prong tour, I was in their Rolodex as available bass player guys in Los Angeles. And I got the call and I was like, yeah, I can get up and go at any point. So that ended abruptly. I came home and figured it out and, you know, did a little local stuff and had some jobs and, you know, just kind of did whatever I could to scrape by, pay the rent and keep visibility up. But then fast forward, from this same management company. Hey, Rob's putting this solo band thing together. Would you like to meet up with him and talk about it? Fuck, dude. Yeah, of course. Sounds terrible. Yeah, of course. Where, <laughs> where, where and when? Did you know him already? Yes, because uh, this band that I was in that was managed by the same management company, we had actually opened a few shows for White Zombie. So that's whenever I first met him and got on his radar and he saw me in my element of being in a band with, and I had like dreadlocks and shit at the time or whatever. Like I look like I should have been in white zombie, you know? So, so I got the call to meet up with him and I did, and we had lunch and he was just basically wanted to make sure, I mean, he knew I was capable, right? Like he seen me play. I've opened for his band. I've been in prong. Like that stuff was sort of unnecessary to get into, but he kind of wanted us to make sure that I was on board with the things that he wanted to do, which was be the guy in charge. He wanted to make sure that we, that his solo band just kind of followed his vision. Whereas in white zombie, even though it very much felt like a collective vision, I feel like why does anyone do a solo project? Because in their band, they're one of four voices and in their solo band, they're the singular voice, right? So, you, you know, put that together however you want, but that's seemingly why solo bands exist. Um, so he's like, are you down to like light yourself on fire and spit blood and, and do whatever that this band needs you to do and that I want you to do? Yes. Fuck totally all day long. No problem. <laughs> um, and he's like, cool, let's go up to the studio and I'll have you play on some songs. <laughs> so, so we literally, so I literally just got, got, because he got dropped off. I, I literally was popped in my car and drove up to the studio and <clears throat> this, the producer was like, oh, that cool. The song's in the key of C sharp and it goes like this. And he just hit record and I played on Dragula and I think something else or whatever. I just laid down some tracks and that, I don't even know what ended up even making it and into the song, but I get royalty checks every so often. So assumably what I did ended up on the song. And then that was it. That first iteration of the band wasn't always John Five, right? Was it a different guitar player for the first record? No, no, it was, it was so whenever I was in prong, there was also a guitar player in the band named Mike Riggs. And so, so the first, the, the, the hellbilly lineup was me and Riggs and John Tempesta and Rob, obviously. I love John. It was interesting, though, right? Because the, the camp, the, 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 the management you know, camp, if you will, was very much like, this is going to be real fun for you for like five minutes. So don't get too comfortable here because Rob, Rob's bread and butter is white zombie. And this is just this thing that we're doing to appease him because he's the guy 
but don't think for a second that this is going to become a, a thing that happens a lot. We're like, yeah, cool, man. Like, even if we get one go around, it was, it was a fun stepping stone to see the world through these eyes, you know? And then it was hilarious, right? Because the record came out and fucking exploded. And I don't think we were on tour for longer than a few weeks before he had the conference call that broke up White Zombie, like right there on the spot. And he was just like, he knew that he could do Rob Zombie as White Zombie. No one would know the difference. And that's what happened to this day. <laughs> you know, like, like a, a White Zombie reunion would be totally pointless. And he knows it. And that's that. Right. And that's the way it's been. Um, and I did that for two records pretty consistently. I think our second record, Sinister Urge, came out on 9-11 or around 9-11. So that was, that was a bit of a, of a transitional period, you know. And then, and then after that, he went into making movies. So we had a little bit of a, of a hiatus that I did some other stuff. And in the midst of that hiatus, I auditioned for Ozzy's band, of which I got the gig for a European tour that never happened because Ozzy got in this ATV motorcycle yeah, accident. I remember that. Yeah. And broke his collarbone. So it was funny that I auditioned for a gig in 2003 that i didn't actually get until 2006 <laughs> so, all right so hold on so hold on so did you know did you know ozzy previous to this yeah because whenever i was in Z rob zombie's band we toured with ozzy a lot got it so we were the support band on on ozzy tours or ozfest tours or you know sabbath or whatever whatever it was like four times and you played in sabbath right no it was like an Ozfest where it was like black. It was like Ozfest '99 where it was Black Sabbath, Rob Zombie, okay, Primus, Slayer, Deftones. Like it was sick lineup. But the point of it is, is that when you're at that caliber, and when you're at the caliber of an Ozzy Osbourne band, and you go like, "Hey, we need a bass player. Who do we call? We call the guy that before us on tours and festivals, right? Like we we just go to that guy because we know that he can he can do it." And, um, and at that time we weren't a band, like we was making movies and he was going to be, you know, Francis Ford Coppola or something. So I auditioned for this Ozzy gig. I mean, I got the gig, but then there was no gig, went back to, you know, making ends meet doing the stuff. And then Rob made movies or whatever. And then he called me up and he's like, Hey, I ran into John five and it kind of inspired me to put a band back together. And did you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, fuck totally. So we did a second version of the solo band that involved John five and put out a record or two with that lineup um, until about 2006, whenever the Aussie gig became a real gig. And that's whenever then I left Rob's band to join Ozzy's band. But when I got the call to join Ozzy's band, we were on tour and, I called Rob's room and I go, dude, I got to talk to you. And he's like, oh, like we're on tour right now. Like, and I think we were in San Antonio and I was like, by all means, I am not leaving the tour. I'm going to finish out my commitments and above and beyond that, I'm going to find my replacement and I will teach them all the songs and I will put them in all of the gear and to the point to where you, you won't even know that I'm gone. No one, no one will even know that I'm not here. 
<laughs> right? And and he's like, okay. And that's exactly what I did. I call my buddy Matt and I go, you're going to play in Zombies Band and you're, I'm going to show you everything. And he's like, cool. And, um, and that's what happened. And to the point where one of the first tours that ever happened was Ozzy Osbourne with me this time and Rob Zombie opening and with my buddy Matt, but people that I know, like friends were like, dude, that's so crazy that you, you did, you did double duty, like saw the show, <laughs> like hitting, hitting me up after the show. Like, fuck dude, that was crazy. Fucking two, like, what were you on stage for like four hours? And it was, and it was, and I said, and I told Rob, and I go, see, no one knows that I'm gone or whatever. And, and so we had a laugh about it and shit. But anyway, Matt is still there. Rob is still doing what he does. And it's been great for everybody. It was a great situation. And everybody's all loves and laughs and hugs and kisses. And we all still communicate and, um, and do stuff when we can. And, and uh, it's, it's been awesome. You know, it's been, it was an awesome ride. It, was a, it, it still is. And uh, I'm excited just to have been a part of either of those dudes' careers on any level. So, um, you know, I don't know, man, that, that was sort of it in a nutshell, I guess. So, okay. So backing up a little bit. So when you got the Aussie call the first time in 2003, I mean, was that, uh, you're, you're already, you're pretty established at this point, right? You're, you're, you're playing with Rob, but that's still going to be a special call to receive. Totally. Of course. I mean, like no, no matter what, like Sabbath, I am only in a Rob Zombie band because of Ozzy Osbourne, right? Like in theory. Like we're, we're only having a podcast talking about metal shit because of Ozzy Osbourne, right? Like you only have a record label because of via Brian Slagle and Metal Blade Records because of Ozzy Osbourne, right? So we're only able to do any of the shit because of Black Sabbath, right? So yeah, man, it's, it's an honor, right? Like to you go like, fuck, dude, really? Wow, cool. I get to play War Pigs with the guy. Sick. It's really, I like the way, the way you just boiled that down into... 20 seconds of hard truth was pretty. Yeah. You're totally right. You did records with Ozzy. Yeah. You did records as well as tours, right? I did a record called black rain and I did a record called scream. And I don't remember which one came first, but, um, but yeah, those were, those were the records that I did. And any, like, obviously Rob's got a very unique presentation and, you know, roadshow. Um, which is very cool. And and then Ozzy's got his thing. Rob plays to pretty big crowds. You must play to bigger crowds with Ozzy though, obviously, right? I guess I'm looking for contrast and, you know, differences between the experience of being the guy with, with Rob and being the guy with Ozzy, like, you know, some of the, some of the things that may have been different, I guess. Well, when I, when I first joined Rob's band, we weren't doing arenas yet. Like he was still kind of starting off like in theaters and stuff. And we didn't go to Europe really ever. And there wasn't any U.S. festivals like there is now, right? Like there wasn't like, you know, Rock on the Range and Aftershock and like all like the, the, there, there, there was very minimal U.S. festivals and stuff. So, so unless we were doing like an OzFest or we were doing um, like a tour, like an arena tour with Ozzy or something, we, we weren't playing arenas on our own yet. That came later. But yeah, I mean, the magnitude of it was still fucking huge, right? I mean, but but Ozzy can go and headline Rock and Rio, right, or something, and it's like a hundred thousand people or some shit, you know? Like it's it's it's. I never did that with in Rob's band. Not to say that Rob couldn't do it. I'm just saying 
I never had, I never did that in Rob's band. Sure. What is that like being at Rock and Rio or, or some, or, you know, one of those crazy 80 to 100,000 capacity shows? You know, it's, I, I tell people this that don't play in a band and it, it, it's a hard thing to understand, but it's way more intimidating and nerve wracking to play a club in front of your friends for like 20 people. Like, you know, in the early days, whenever you're just like, going to clubs and your friends and family show up and maybe a few scragglers or whatever, right? That is way more nerve wracking than playing in front of a hundred thousand people. Cause like a hundred thousand people like isn't even real. And like, it, it's like, you can't even make eye contact with one person. Like it's, it, it's, it's, it's so massive that it, it just is, it doesn't exist. Like it's just like this blur. Right. Whereas like, you play into a room of like 25 people, 50, like, dude, you, you see facial expressions. Like it's like, you know, like everything, everything is very critical at that. Like at the level that you're playing huge venues, like that huge festivals, it's the easiest thing in the world. (laughs) That's amazing. I brought some bands on stage before in front of about 40 or 50,000 people. And just doing that for me is, was a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> sure. I guess it's a different thing in a different role and I'm not used to it, but what, I mean, I just, it's just gotta be, a, a, I can't imagine the feeling though, no eye contact regardless of what it must feel like to be just look out at a sea of people like that and, and say, Holy shit. I started out in cryptic slaughter when I was 15 fucking years old and look at me now. Well, yes. I mean, I think certainly there is that, that, that it is not, the people aren't invisible and certainly the, the magnitude of what is happening is not going unnoticed. By all means, I'm like, oh, holy shit, there's a, I am standing in front of a hundred thousand people right now that are that just here for the love of metal, right? right? Which is fucking awesome. And did I ever think in a million years that that would be me standing here? No, not even, right? So it, it is, I'm certainly very, very blessed and appreciative and do not take that moment for granted at all. I think, I, I think what I was trying to say is that it's just, you don't get nervous playing in front of that many people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and by the way, I didn't, I wasn't suggesting you take it for granted. I was just kind of pointing out, like, do you ever think, do you ever take a step back and realize, holy shit, look at, look at where I am. That's all I meant. Every single time I look over and I go, I can't believe this is happening right now. That dude is Ozzy Osbourne and he is singing songs that I grew up on. <laughs> but like, that's crazy. Now, do you know if, he, if he's still planning to tour? Because pre-pandemic, Ozzy, like, of course, is one of my favorite. I mean, if you, you don't, you're right. I wouldn't have this label without him. My wife was kind enough to get us front row seats for he was going to play Hollywood Bowl. I was so excited because I love that venue, of course. And then front row for Ozzy for the first time ever at that venue. It was going to, I was like, it was maybe the best Christmas present I've ever got. But then the pandemic happened and it got got canceled. I know. Do you have any updates on, you know, uh, or any information that you could share? Like, is he planning on touring again? Is he capable? Because I know that there's, there were some health issues in between then and now. He's currently making a record that he's been, you know, vocal about that's been popping up in the press. And, Look, I mean, he's Ozzy Osbourne, you know, kind of like, kind of like Lemmy, you know, he's going to ride this thing until the wheels fall off, man. Like, and if, and if he's still, and if he's making a record, he has every intention of going out and supporting it. Um, we, we have our European tour that is still planning to happen, which starts in January. 
um, you know, and um, so hopefully it, it still happens. Um, and uh, we would all love for it to happen and be very excited. And, and if it does happen, then that would answer your question that then there would still be an opportunity to play the U S um, for, you know, the farewell tour still needs to hit the U S so, um, yeah. you know, ho- hopefully say your prayers to the gods of rock that <laughs> it all comes together and, and, uh, we can do one final go around, you know, what's the last show that you played? Do you remember what it was with, with, with whoever the last shows that I play? Well, I play, well, I played one song on a live stream with steel Panther during the pandemic. So that was, I think the last time I had a bass in my hand. Um, but, uh, but before that we, there was a Zach Sabbath European tour that we, um, that we did. And that we got home from that in February of 2020. And then the last Aussie gig that I did was new year's Eve, 2018 into 2019 at the forum and that was that was an awesome show because that was that was like an oz fest it was like ozzy and rob zombie and marilyn manson and um some other stuff i don't remember but it was crazy because the side stage zach sabbath headlined and then we headlined with ozzy at inside so we played the parking lot and as well as the the in indoor stage and so zach and i did double duty that day, which was crazy. I had the, like the, 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 like new year's day was like the worst bang over of, of all time. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you just said you haven't had a, a bass in your hands since you did the, the live stream of steel Panther. Do you practice? Do you play? Do you write? No, I don't, I don't even think there's a bass in my house. Really? I think it's in the garage. I have one <laughs> so, in my house. If you want to come over, we can hang out. Totally. <laughs> when, totally. You, when you come over to drive my car that I, I can't drive. My 70 Chevelle. Exactly. We'll put it in the back. We'll take it for a ride. Yeah. I'm consumed with my management business. So I really don't get a chance to, to play much. However, you do bring up a good point that I need to make a notation that I was thinking that come this tour in January, man, like this year is going to be over before you know it. So yeah. I, I did make a mental note that I really got to shake the dust off. I got to find the base, first of all. And then I got to shake and then I got to shake the dust off of it because I really got to start getting back into the swing of things here, you know, because it's going to take a minute to get my chops back up. Plus there was a record that came out that you brought that right in between all this, right? There was a, I think the record was called ordinary man that yeah. came out. I think God, that, you know, that it's such all such a blur, but I think, th- I do think that came out during the pandemic. I didn't have anything to do with that record, but like, um, but yeah, it did come out. Yeah. You did already answer this a second ago when you said you don't even play bass and you're consumed with your management career. But in my head, the narrative that I'm seeing is it almost seems like, you know, there comes a day that like, is there a day that comes that you, know, you now want to have your own project where you're the boss and you have all the say and it's your band and not, not musically like there's like Zach Sabbath is a good example of something that's really fun to do like you're only arguing over what awesome song you're going to put in the set list. <laughs> right. Like, so like, but I wouldn't want to ever like we joke, right. Is it's me, me, Zach and, and Joey C like we joke that if we started our own band of original material, like no one would give a crap compared to the amount of stuff that we do as Zach Sabbath. Right. 
So, so whenever I try and think of things that are of that level, I had this idea um, that would be, it would be super awesome. So equivalent to Zach Sabbath, where it's Zach doing all uh, Black Sabbath songs. I had this other idea that was the Rob Moans, which is Rob Zombie doing all Ramon songs. And, um, and, and, I, and I pitched it at him. I go, dude, we have to do this. This would be fucking great. We'll do all Ramon songs. and It's called the Rob Moans. And, uh, and he's like, dude, I, he's like, I barely have enough time to do Rob Zombie stuff. Like, let alone some new band, whatever. And then I was like, ah, that's cool. Maybe I'll ask Rob Halford if he wants to do it. <laughs> we can still, she can still call it the Rob Moans. It's just, you know, whatever. Um, so stuff like that, like I, I, like I always find interesting. Like, um, you know, Steel Panther hit me up and they're like, dude, like, could you join the band? And I was like, oh, ah, it would be fun to do some shows, but like, I can't commit to, right. the, you know, their, their, output right like they work a lot and i and, and i don't i don't have that kind of time but, but any because like he was like oh but it would be you like you wouldn't you wouldn't be a character like it'd be you and you're joining the band and we'd make all these skits about how you think we're posers and that like and I, and I and i was intrigued for sure and it would have been hilarious uh, i think the skits are awesome uh, their skits are awesome they did just lose the bass player right um they played the whiskey on saturday and i was going i was I was going to go, um, but there was a big fight. I don't know if there was the big Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight. Yes, which was epic. Epic. Unbelievable. What a fight. Yes. Did you, did you see now? He's like, oh, oh I broke my hand. That's yeah. why I lost. And, da, 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 da. and it was the gloves. And da, da. Dude, you know, you lost. Yeah, he did. he did. It's over. It's over. The trilogy's over. But that was a great fight, man. But I had a good friend of mine over, and we... Um, we were let's just say we were enjoying the whiskey and by the time the fight was over there was there had been too much whiskey to go to the whiskey and see steel panther i was like i'm done man i can't go out now i can't but i agree it would be hysterical for you to be a fill-in for a show or two where you're just basically like completely shredding them for being posers that is that is intriguing (laughs) yeah yeah So, so so something like stuff like those types of ideas like intrigue me like is like this would be really fun but like stuff where like man like i gotta get in a room with dudes and like write songs from scratch and like fuck all of that no way <laughs> heard heard and i kind of actually i kind of actually vicariously sort of with, with you know with matt and and and, and ripple that's kind of like sort of i can put that type of energy into those bands to where i can kind of thematically get in the room with them and kind of work out that energy that I have with like, you know, like the creative energy that I have. And I can, I can help those bands with that. And, and I, and I think that I've got, I've got places for that energy to go, but starting a, a new band where I'm the boss and that, like I, I got, I don't, I can't even wrap my head around that. Got it. <laughs> It, it's interesting you say that because I feel the exact same way with a couple records I've executive produced. Yeah. Where it's like, I don't really want to go play guitar with a bunch of people, but like bringing the right elements together, that's a cool feeling. Yeah. Right. And then they go, they have to then go out and do all the heavy lifting. Exactly. Like you, you just are like the cool guy who got so and so involved. Right. 
Totally. Are we still singing in two weeks, Matt, on stage? Yeah, yeah. We, we're going to, we need to prepare for that. Yeah, I need to, I guess probably need to learn the lyrics then, don't I? Yeah, I'll, I'll take care of you. Chris and I are doing our onstage debut with Capra, October 25th, St. Lytus Bar. Yeah. Capra is one of my okay. bands and a uh, great band from Louisiana, but they have a song that has a male vocal at the end and they've asked us to do it. And speaking of playing to a tiny club in front of all your friends, and I can't fucking sing. I mean, you might as well ask me to play bass. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll figure it out on the 24th. Okay. We'll take some yes, time. We'll have, Zoom, we'll have some Zoom rehearsals. I have a last question. That's kind of like a silly question that I've always wanted to ask you, but didn't really have the right context. What is it like being friends with Ozzy Osbourne? Like that's gotta be weird. Like in like a surreal way, not in like a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's as intimidating as you think it would be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, you know, like I'm mostly just kind of like an observer because like I'm always afraid of saying the wrong thing, you know, like I'm always just like, oh, he's going to think I'm an idiot if I say this stupid thing. Like, I just want him to think I'm cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just not going to say anything. And 15 years in, it's still like, I just want him to think I'm cool. Totally. Right. Like, which is awesome. Yeah. And, 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 and occasionally like, he'll text me and stuff. And it's fucking the most awesome thing that I just want to screen capture and, and, and post on my Instagram. Like, just so you know, like I text with Ozzy Osbourne, like, but I never <laughs> would, but like that, that's where my mind goes. Like I'm a five-year-old when it comes to like hanging out with Oz. That's awesome. I spent like three weeks on the Mayhem Festival in 2013. It was the year Rob Zombie headlined it. And uh, same kind of thing. You know, I cooked for all the bands and did barbecues and stuff like that. And I would see Rob and I'd be like, <gasps> I wonder if he likes my food. Oh my God, I hope he likes my food. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Totally. So stupid. It's weird. Like, I think one of the things that I find interesting when you're like talk, when you're like friends with like an actual living legend like that is like reconciling that, like you're the guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I hang out with like Arthur Brown and I'm like, you're the God of Hellfire guy. And we're like on a walk and like, do you know, like, do you have that? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Also makes you the guy, right? Because like I'm I'm sitting here talking to you and you know we we just met re- relatively recently and but it's like I'm talking to a guy who like where would you go from Ozzy Osbourne? Where could you possibly go? Like maybe Iron Maiden or Judas Priest? Like where Metallica? Like where could you go that would be on the same level? Like right? Anything else that you do, it could be very cool, but anything else you could do would be wouldn't be that right so you so who else could you possibly play for and 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 so when i'm talking to you so it's 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 very similar like i'm probably feeling as surreal as you feel when you when you first started talking to ozzy and it's the only band that i would want to be in after ozzy would be acdc yeah yeah that's another one yeah i'm not saying because that's a, a another big classic rock metal band i'm just saying like in terms of my DNA, ACDC is equally as important as Black Sabbath is. And I fucking love every record and have seen them as often as I can. And, and uh, uh, dude, I remember like we were on tour and I remember like Brian Johnson came to a show in Florida once and then Angus came to a show somewhere else. And like they just like hanging out backstage, cool, like shooting the shit. Like what? Like this is... <laughs> Like the amount of dudes I have been in rooms with, like, like just chilling, like Halford and 
the ACDC guys. And it's like, it's, it's insane. <laughs> like it's insane. The, just the amount of people that, and, and it's like, I remember one of the craziest stories is we went to the Mojo. So in, we were in the UK, we we're in London and there's a magazine there called Mojo. And we went to the Mojo awards and it was, you know, me, me and, and, and the wife and, and, uh, you know, Ozzy and Sharon and, and Zach and, I think maybe Kelly was there. I don't remember, but we went to the Mojo Awards and we walked in this and I had no idea what to expect, right? I don't read Mojo magazine. I don't even fucking know anything about it. And we walked in this place and I was like, holy shit, dude, there's guys, there's, there's Iggy Pop, right? There's, there's dudes from the clash. There's Bjork, right? Like it was, it was like the, the, the people in this room were insane. And so we sat down and they were all these like round tables, right? Cause it was like, it wasn't like a, it was just like a dinner kind of award thing. It was very casual and very cool. And so we're at this round table and, and, the, and the wife is kind of pulling at her chair and she bumps the chair behind her. Cause you know, they're back to back and she's like, Oh, sorry. And, and, pull, and she turns around and she goes, Why is that was fucking Nick cave. Like I just bumped Nick cave's chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> and stuff so like just the stuff that you know being around ozzy is you know been in the like it's really changed my life in terms of a you know perception of of, of music they never stuff that i would have just never thought that i would have been anything other than a fan of right so it was crazy and then and then and, and then nick and then at the end of the night nick's like oh hey cool fucking super nice to meet you guys uh and it's like i'm playing a show at the electric ballroom in uh, camden and uh, if you guys want to come down, I'll put you on the list. And it was like the first Grinderman show or whatever. And we, like, we, we saw the first Grinderman show in London. I'm fucking crazy, right? Like, how does that even happen? It's been quite a ride. I can only imagine just, you know, the, just talking to you these two episodes. Like, you paint such a picture. And, and I always go back to being a 50-year-old man. I always go back to that first listen of Cryptic Slaughter. And to know that you've started there and ended up here is really, I mean, this... You, you should be if you if you're not doing it already, you should be spending some of your free time writing a book because there's definitely a book in there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe there is. Got to figure out what the what what the premise of of that is. But um, but yeah, I think I think that's probably somewhere in the next ten years. Thank you so much, Blasco, for coming on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Of course, it's really a pleasure and and quite literally an honor to have you on the show. So thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Anytime. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? 
That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh revisiting classic material talking about the new classics um all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs> 